I'm, I'm a little antsy tonight because tonight we're continuing our, our Know Your Pastors um, series and we've been doing this for the last two weeks now. Um, we, got, we got four more to get through um, and, and tonight's the night when none of the other pastors could make it so that means it's like my turn. Um, and so I don't really know. No, stop it. Stop it. Like, like I normally have like, <laughs> eventually, eventually y'all's hands are going to hurt and then, and then I'll laugh at you. Uh, I don't have any fans. Um, anyways, I normally have like, Normally when I speak to people, I have like 20 pages of notes. Well, tonight I've got like this, which is like bullet points with scribbles on them. Um, so we're just, we're just kind of hanging out tonight. Um, but if you remember, we've been, I've been talking about 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13, which is a real Bible verse in a real Bible book, um, unlike Ecclesiastes. Uh, it says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace amongst yourselves. And so that's why we're doing this. We're just taking time out from our, our busy everyday schedule and, and spending these weeks just getting to know um, the, the guys who, who labor among us. And, and I just so happen to get to be one of them. And, and that's exciting. And so part of that is facilitating, you know, like you guys being able to know your pastors. And the other part of it is just to kind of see how a person can get from from, from wherever they start with the Lord to, to where they are now with the Lord and, and serving in the way that they are. And so, and so that's pretty cool. Um, and if you haven't noticed, like, I didn't talk to these guys about what they were saying or anything. I just told them, just come in, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, and tell us your, your, your journey in ministry that got you to where you are today. And that's not to say, like, any of them feel like their journey in ministry is over or that they're, they're where they're going to be for the rest of their lives. Um, if, if there's one thing you learn really quick um, just by serving the Lord in ministry is that he's always moving things around and he's always making changes to things, and you just got to be ready for that. Um, but, like, without even... Todd and Troy talking to each other like the, the first two weeks there was a pretty common theme and that theme is sort of just say yes to whatever it is that God puts in front of you um, and so my, my spiel tonight is going to be very similar to that um, because that's, 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 sort of, that's sort of the answer to, to living what you should consider to be the normal Christian life because life is about opportunities and the Christian life is no different. God puts opportunities in front of you and and if you're truly devoted to having given your life over to the Lord, well, you take those opportunities and do what he's set in front of you. That doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything. We actually spend a lot of time in one of our MTT classes talking about temperance, um, which, which means you can't say yes to everything. It just means you, you say yes to what God puts in front of you, and you make sure what God is putting in front of you is from God, and you do that through your relationship with his word, your relationship with him in prayer, and your relationship to your spiritual leaders. And Troy definitely talked about that. Todd definitely talked about that too. Um, and so tonight, like a lot of you probably know my story. Some of you probably don't. I got to give my testimony in front of the well in like January of 2020. So that was like before I was even in here. Um, and so if, 
Some of that will sound familiar if you were there then, um, but, but I'm, I'm going to be a little more specific tonight um, and focus really on, on the last 10 years of my life and sort of just go through the list of things I said yes to. Um, literally, there's a list on my paper that I say, that's called things I said yes to, um, and that's what we're going to talk through tonight um, because, because that's... That's really what it's all about. It's about the things that God puts in front of you and making sure that you're just agreeing that whatever God has for you next is where you're going to go and, and, and your life is going to go in the direction that he kind of sets you on. And so, real quick, before we get to the things I said yes to, um, the first thing I said yes to was, was a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And that happened when I was nine years old. My family started coming to this church when I was seven years old and up until that point, you know, we, we went to a, a, a different church, uh, but not a church that preached the gospel. It was a church of, you know, things you have to do in order to be right with God, and when you sin and screw up, then you have to fix it by doing these other things, and, um, and so that's kind of what I grew up with. You know, I had always understood that the Lord exists, and I always understood that the Bible exists. My mom read to me from a picture Bible when I was a kid, um, and so I knew Bible stories and stuff like that, but it wasn't until we started coming here and it was a Christmas service when I was, um, I was, I was eight or nine years, I was nine years old, um, when, when I was first confronted with the fact that I can't do anything about my sin and my sin separates me from the Lord and so the only way to deal with that sin was, was to put my faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and for his blood to pay for my sin that we just sang about. Um, and so I, I did that. I was nine years old and scared to death that if I die, I go to hell. And so I, I told my dad, Dad, I'm scared. I'm going to go to hell. And he's like, well, you want to not be? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that'd be great because I can't sleep when I'm 10. And I'm supposed to sleep a lot when I'm 10 um, or nine. And so he, he explained to me the gospel and, 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 and everything I just said. That, like, you got to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and made sure I understood what that meant, and then took me to Romans 10, 9, and 10, talking about confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and putting your trust in him to save you and not trying to do it on your own. Um, and so I did that. I made that decision when I was nine years old and decided that, okay, my life belongs to the Lord. And, and, and it did, because he promises to never leave us or forsake us, and he promises to seal us with his Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Um, and so that's a great thing, um, but, you know, I was a church kid, and so being a church kid a lot of times means that you, you, you put your faith and trust in the Lord, but, but then you sort of dabble back and forth with the world because when, I don't know, when you get saved as an adult, it's, it's really easy to know, like, what you're leaving. You're like, okay, I'm leaving all these things of the world that I've spent my entire life up to this point doing, and, and now I'm just going to put, put everything I have into following the Lord. Well, when you're a church kid, there's this weird temptation to want to see what it is that you missed out on by, by just giving your life over to the Lord. And so I didn't really live my life for the Lord solidly until I was, I was 22 years old. Um, you know, th there, was a, there was a time in high school where, where I was certainly trying to, to, to follow after the Lord as much as I could. I got plugged into our youth group, it was called 180 at the time, and, and I surrounded myself with good friends and stuff like that, and so there was a time there, but as soon as I graduated college, I, or as soon as I graduated high school, I decided I'm going to go off to college and, and pay 
hundreds of thousands of dollars for an education so that I could work a job that I had no experience in. Um, and I, I didn't trust the Lord with that decision. I made that decision on my own. Um, and, and that was dumb because, you know, I go to school for four years. I graduate with a lot of money in debt and work this job for a week and realize I hate this job. Um, so take that for what it is. Now, there, there's, there were parts of my job that I liked. I didn't like working for the company I worked for, and I could have found a different job, but we'll get to that in a bit. Point is, I was sort of back and forth between wanting to follow the Lord and not wanting to follow the Lord throughout middle school and high school and, and college. Um, and, and, and God really started to get a hold of my heart during the summers while I was away at college because I was just doing my own thing at college. I didn't even get into anything bad. I just wasn't living for the Lord. I was just living for myself. Um, I spent more time playing video games and humans versus zombies than I did anything else in college, um, including study. I don't know how I got through college. Trisha doesn't know how I got through college. Um, I'm told I went to a hard school. It wasn't hard. Um, fake it till you make it, I guess. Uh, but, but it worked. And so I started coming to the well um, before I graduated college when I was around for the summers. Um, and there was just something in the well that grabbed a hold of my heart. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't even like, like the solid Bible teaching because there wasn't a whole lot of Bible teaching at that time. It was a smaller group, and so they, they just did different things. Um, and, and that's fine. But I knew what solid Bible teaching was because I grew up in this church and grew up you know, with, with guys like Mark Trotter and Jeff Bartell as, as my pastor who taught on Sunday mornings. But there was just something about having a community of people that were all in on what God was doing and wanted to do things together because that was the thing that linked them together. You know, your, your friends in college, they were your friends in college because they made the same dumb decision to go to this expensive school that you did. And so there's a certain camaraderie there, but man, that's nothing compared to the camaraderie you feel with just spending time with people who've given their life to the Lord and want to follow him. And so I hadn't, I hadn't even decided at that point that, man, I want to just follow the Lord with everything that I have. I was busy trying to finish school, but, but there was just something about that that kept drawing me back, and so I just kept coming. Um, and then my senior year of college, I got asked by the guy who was the youth pastor at the time to help with, with a youth rally. And that was, that was the first real opportunity that I could think of um, to, to say yes to something that, that God put in front of me. Um, and and I, I spent time reflecting, because these are the things that you kind of forget along the way. Like, man, the 2012 youth rally that I served at was, was instrumental in my life. Like, you just don't think about things like that all the time unless you're, like, keeping a journal, and I'm too lazy to do that. Um, and so I sat down and thought about these things, and these are the things I'm thinking about. And that was the first real opportunity I can remember that I had a chance to say yes. Um, and I remember not even wanting to do it. Um, I remember thinking, man, I'm home for three weeks for, for Christmas break, and you want me to spend three days at this youth rally with these junior high and high school kids. Um, but I did it anyways, for some reason, and I can't even tell you why, but I just said yes, and, and I did it, and it was, it was fine. It was actually kind of a mess. I got sick. It was run poorly. The, the guy who was the youth pastor at the time, like his girlfriend was in town. She, she was from far away. And so he was busy like flirting with her while 
while he should have been like running. It was a mess. It was just a mess. Um, and that guy got, doesn't go to this church anymore, so, so don't worry about that. Um, it wasn't Josh. Um, and it wasn't Kale either, who I guess doesn't really go to this church anymore either. Um, no, it was, it was a while ago. Um, yeah, like I said, 2012. So that happened. And then a couple days after the rally was over, I was like getting ready to go back to school. And, and that guy who was the youth pastor, who, who was a decent guy at the time, um, I'll say at the time, um, he, he just asked me to, to have dinner with him. And so I did, not knowing, like, he wanted to have a conversation with me because he knew that, okay, it's, it's winter of my senior year of college. I'm going to be graduating in, in a few months. And so I'm going to be making decisions on, on what to do after that and, and where to live and, and where to work and stuff like that. And so he just wanted to have a conversation with me to let me know that, man, if you come back here, if you get a job in the area and move back here, you can get plugged in to your church, the church you grew up in. You can serve in your church. You can try to find a different church somewhere else, and maybe you will, but maybe you won't. Just know that if you come back here, I would like to have you serve in these different ways. And he gave me a list of things that he thought I would be good at doing and helping with, like around the youth group and around the well and around the church and stuff like that. And so I thought about that. Like that, for the first time, became a consideration in my decision-making process because up until that point, I was just doing whatever I wanted to do, not considering my relationship with the Lord and my walk with the Lord and my church family and my ministry and, and stuff like that. So I ended up having a couple opportunities to interview for jobs not as many as my, my other friends who were taking engineering classes because I was the laziest of them. So I think I ended up having three job offers, though I sabotaged one of them because I didn't want it. Um, it was, I didn't want to work for Honda. They wear uniforms. Um, <laughs> I didn't want that. And they were, they were terrible uniforms, too, like white pants, white button-up short sleeve shirt with a patch that says Honda and you were if you were like high enough in the company you got your name embroidered on it um, it was terrible I wasn't I wasn't gonna work for that company it was never mind um, but they were asking me questions about what I wanted to do in the interview and I told them well, I really want a job where I don't have to do this, this, and this. And they were all the things that they explained to me were, were the job. So I didn't get, I didn't get offered that job. Um, and, and I remember, like, like, I was waiting for the letter from them, and they were sending it, all, like, all my mail went to my parents' house. And I interviewed for two jobs there, and I didn't want either of them. Um, and, and, and my dad told me, that I got a rejection letter for one, but nothing for the other one, and he lied because he didn't want me to be discouraged. Like, I got rejected for both of them, and like, that's what I wanted. Um, and, he, <laughs> and he didn't even tell me, so, um, so that's fun. Um, I, got a, I did get a job offer from a company in Michigan, which would have been kind of a cool job, like, 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 I would have got to program robots, and, like, they would have paid to send me all over the U.S. to, like, set up robots in different, uh, in different factories and stuff like that, and that job would have, like, that would have, that I would have been okay financially. 
um, with that job. And then I, I got a job offer here in town at a local manufacturing company that I interned for one of the summers um, while I was in college, um, which, you know, wa was a decent job. Didn't have nearly as high of a starting salary, but it was also in a cheaper area where I wouldn't have to pay as much to live, um, especially knowing that my parents are just down the road and I can live with them until I can afford my own place and stuff like that. And so I had realistically two opportunities because I, I just didn't want the other one and, and pooped on it. Um, and, and now, while I'm considering those things, God uses this youth pastor to, to put on my heart the need for me to be plugged in to a church and ministering with a church. And part of that community that he had continued to, to draw me toward while I was in college, but home over the summer. Um, and, so, and so I decided to, to take the job here in town, um, not just for financial reasons, although that helped because I lived with my parents for like three years and just got my debt taken care of uh, because of that, which was great. But, but I, I took that job so that I could be in the area and come to this church uh, because I knew what this church was about. Jeff was the pastor at the time, um, and obviously Jeff knows the Bible well. And so I, I, I come back here so that I can serve, and I realize very quickly when I get back that I'm not equipped to serve. Um, I had grown up in this church. I, I knew some things about the Bible, but, but I realized quickly that um, man, there's just, there's just a lot of things I don't know how to do. Um, and I realized that pretty quickly because the, the, I guess it wasn't the first week I got back, but the week before I started this job, um, I got asked to go to summer camp uh, with, with the high school and middle school kids. Um, and if you've ever been to summer camp as a, as a helper or as a counselor, um, man, that can, that can weigh on your heart when you see what God's doing in the hearts and lives of people through the ministry of, of those youth groups in this church. And so I spent a week doing that, and I remember getting home from that thinking, man, I could do that every week. Now, I was 22 years old. I had a whole lot more energy than I have now. Um, but when I went to work the following Monday, I remember thinking, what am I doing? I'm sitting here at a desk, staring at a computer, looking at code that was written in the 90s trying to fix it and and I could be like serving the Lord and I'm just sitting here helping somebody else make money and I just remember that weighing on me right away um, and and it and it did um, it probably would have weighed on me less if I was more interested in in what I was actually doing but I'm telling you I I had to drink a lot of coffee at first like that was a boring job um, at least at first, until I got stuff figured out. But, but I was here. I was working a job that I wasn't thrilled about, but I was going to a church that I was thrilled about. Um, and, and I signed up for discipleship right away because I knew that's what I needed. I knew that there was just some things that I needed to make sure that I understood, and there was some... Um, that, that was just the, the, the first step in, in everything. You know, by that point, Jeff had had the path of growth laid out, which okay, the, the first circle is attend, and that means showing up on Sunday mornings and in the middle of the week. And so I was doing those things. I was showing up on Sunday mornings for church, and then I was uh, going to the well, and I was doing those things. And that next circle was learn, and that's 9 a.m. training hour and, and discipleship. And so I was doing 9 a.m. training hour because 
So help me. I'm already going to church from 10.30 to noon. What, what is the difference showing up at 9? Like, anyways, that's a pet peeve of mine. But I was doing 9 a.m. training hour. I just needed to do discipleship. And my discipleship relationship was with a pastor at the time. And so I was excited about that because I'm like, oh, cool, I'm learning from the best. Um, ended up being the worst discipler I could have possibly imagined. Um, it was just a terrible relationship. Like, it, it took us, like, three years to, to actually finish the lessons um, because he was just lazy. And, and, and I had to text him, like, hey, can we meet ever? Um, as opposed to him, like, working out a schedule with me where we could, like, actually meet from time to time. Um, but I started it, and I was excited about it, and I was memorizing scripture for the first time since I was a kid. I was studying the Bible for the first time ever, and, and just learning things from the Word. And it's from that, that that just different service opportunities came. And at first, a lot of those service opportunities were specifically with the youth. Like, I wasn't an Ignite counselor or an Extreme counselor or anything like that, but they would have events and rallies and um, just different things, and the leader would call me and be like, hey, can you come run this game or something? And so I, I just would. I would just do that uh, because it was, it was fun for me. Um, it was, and, and at that point, I had been learning enough to know, like, okay, I'm just going to take the opportunities as I have them. Um, I spent late nights just studying the Bible, just like stupid stuff that wasn't important for me to know. Like, I wasn't studying to teach anything. I just wanted to know what the Bible said. Um, I was doing that. I was wanting to serve. I was just getting plugged in. And then ministry tools and training uh, happened, and we actually did that a little backwards because the pastor who was discipling me knew he was like a lame discipler, but he didn't really want to like get attention on how bad of a discipler he was. So he like asked if I could do ministry tools and training before I was done with discipleship. Um, and so I did, which was kind of weird, but but it happened, and, and it was fine. Um, but ministry tools and training changed my life. Like, like th those classes, I took them with Bruno and Chrissy, actually. We were in the same class together. Um, those classes just really opened my eyes to understanding why our church does the things that it does, um, which helped me understand why I should be doing the things that I'm doing. And so all these service opportunities are great, but, but now I could see them from God's perspective and see them not just as an opportunity to do something that feels like I'm serving the Lord, but doing something that makes an investment into someone else so that they're built up so that they can make an investment into someone else. And so I just, that changed my whole philosophy and way of thinking about, about what it is I was doing and the things I was saying yes to. Um, it's from that that I got asked to teach from time to time. The first time I taught was actually in the well in, in like, November or December of 2012, I think, and I taught on the prodigal son from Luke 15, and I taught for like an hour, and it was terrible. Um, now, some of you might be thinking, you're terrible now, and that's okay, because some of us are terrible at things, uh, but I was more terrible then than I am now. I, I even had like, like I had a, I had a tape measure as an illustration, and I don't even remember why, Landon. I don't even remember why. Uh, I just remember saying, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I couldn't tell you what that accomplished. These are just the weird things that come up when you're thinking about this stuff. 
Um, but I taught that, and then I, it was part of a series on love, too, so maybe the tape measure had to do with, with love somehow. Um, yeah, now it makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but I taught that, taught a couple other times with different things. I was looking back through some of my old sermons that I still have notes for, and yeah, it's okay. Um, also in 2012, there was a missions conference here, and that missions conference was sort of pivotal for my life. Um, Sam Miles taught that missions conference, and I actually remember a lot from that missions conference, uh, way more than I remember from my tape measure story. Um, but he, he, he talked about the temple of the Lord and, and the different temples you see in Scripture and how, well, now the church is the temple, which is important because in the Old Testament, the, the temple was a place in Jerusalem where all the nations would have to come to worship God and to hear about God and, and to, to pay tribute to the Lord and, and give offerings to him. But, but now people don't come to the temple anymore because God's temple has feet, and so God's temple is supposed to go to the people so that they can know about God and so that they can respond to the Lord and worship him and, and offer to him and everything. And so I considered for the first time there, like, well, okay, what's my role in that? And I didn't know the answer to that question, but I just committed, like, at the encouragement of of the preaching, I, I, I committed to, to doing whatever it is God had for me in that context. Um, okay, I'm going to start giving to missions at this point. I'm going to start considering the possibility that maybe God wants me to be a missionary someday. I'm going to look for opportunities to go on short-term missions trips, which I, which I did. Um, 2014, would well, that would have been the first foreign missions trip. I took a missions trip to Georgia, which was great because their food is awesome. Um, but that was, that was different. Um, I took a missions trip to London in 2014 that sort of kind of gave me an understanding of what it's like to be in a place without a church, um, trying to build a church by, by winning people to the Lord and making disciples. Um, and so at that point, I was, I was wanting to be a missionary. I'm still working my job in manufacturing, and I'm still serving in and through, throughout the church. I get to teach on occasion. I'm uh, serving in the well, sort of. I had, like, my responsibility was sort of like, sort of like what Cody's doing now. Like, I would try to plan events, like, so that we can just do something together from time to time. Um, and that was a... There was a weird point there in, in 2014. Like, I had just finished MTT, um, and, and I'm serving, and I'm excited about everything, and the guy who was leading the well at the time um, asked me to stop doing that in the well, like, like that responsibility I had in the well. Um, and, and, you know, at the time, that was, that was a little rough for me because it's like, well, like, I said yes to doing this, so why am I not able to continue doing that. It ended up being a great thing for, for me because it opened some other doors that I'll get to. Um, but that was, that was a struggle because sometimes saying yes to things well apparently meant not doing that thing anymore and apparently meant saying no to some things. And so I had to step back from that. And at the time I was questioning his motivations on why he asked me to do that. And I still kind of do. But, but like it's fine because the hand of the Lord was in it and he moved 
things around, and that wasn't Matt, by the way, um, so he, that guy doesn't go to this church anymore either. But after that, well, that's, that's when I really got plugged in in a way that I hadn't before, because that's when uh, we, did, we didn't have LFBI yet at the time. It was called LTI, like Leadership Training Institute or something like that, and it was, <laughs> it was just Jeff in the basement of the barn with a handful of guys talking about something. And so I started doing that because, because it was there, and I was done with MTT, so Jeff said everyone who's finished MTT is welcome to sign up for LTI, so I signed up for LTI, and I kept doing all the other things I was doing. I kept committed and desiring to, to be a missionary someday, and so I did that for a year, um, and, and that would have put me in 2015, which would have been the year I got married. Kale took over as the, the youth leader, or the youth pastor, um, and, and, and at the time it was still 180. But I was sort of plugged in, but I wasn't really doing something consistent from week to week, and, and that weighed on me a little bit because I was doing something consistent from week to week when I was serving in the well. Um, but that had been taken away but Kale offered to let me and Trisha work in Ignite because they needed a new set of counselors and he knew I wasn't doing anything um, and he thought I'd be a good fit for that. And so, of course, I said yes. Um, I, said, I said yes to that because I wanted something to do on a consistent basis. Um, and it was around that time that LFBI started up and sort of got a little formalized and it's different, it was different then than it was now, but it was a weekly thing where we would go to classes and um, when it started, we would just all sit in one of the rooms at the church, and eventually we'd sit over here after this building got built. Um, but for four years of my life, I was doing LFBI, which was, was a lot of work at the time because it was three classes per semester, um, and, then, and then serving in Ignite. Um, and, and serving in Ignite, I got to do all kinds of things, all that stuff with running events and all that stuff with teaching opportunities. I got to teach an entire 9 a.m. class for the high school kids at one point. Um, maybe some of you remember that. Maybe some of you don't. What was it? It's close enough. It was good. No, I taught a whole class on the philosophy of discipleship with you guys. Um, it, was, it was fun. Which was an MTT class. I just boiled it down for, for y'all's tiny brains. Um, <laughs> they were tiny at the time. They're fine now. <laughs> You're fine now. Don't, don't worry. You were, you, were, you were short. Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah, sometimes I forget like how many of you were were in Ignite while, while we were in Ignite, um, which maybe that's weird for you, but I forget, so um, that's fine. But that was four years of, of my life, is just doing what God had asked me to do, um, Ignite and LFBI, uh, and, and just being open to missions and doing whatever I could do to help with missions. Um, kept giving money to missions, kept going on missions trips, um, and it was, it was cool. God didn't really ask anything new of me during those four years. I just kept doing what he had put in front of me um, and was loving doing it. Um, and then in 2019, what time is it? It's almost eight. We're okay. In 2019 is when I, I graduated from LFBI and Jeff asked me 
hey, why don't you, why don't you leave? Why don't you go to Albania for a year? Figure out where you want to be a missionary while you're there. And then come back from Albania, do the missionary thing where you raise all your money and then, and then go somewhere else. Which is what I had wanted to do for a long time, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's like that dog that chases the car. Like, it's really fun while you're chasing it, but as soon as you get there, it's like, oh, you want me to leave the church that I've been plugged into for the last seven years of my life? You want me to leave the place that has invested more into me than anything else? And so... I said yes to that because I had no reason to say no. I wanted to be a missionary for a while. I had committed to doing whatever it is God asked me to do for a while. And so God was asking me to do something related to missions. Of course I'm going to do that. And so I, I agreed to do that. Uh, Trisha and I both agreed to do that. And we spent the bulk of 2019 sort of transitioning out of our ministry in Ignite and, and, and getting ready to go on this trip. And you guys know the, the, the deal with Trisha getting cancer a couple weeks before, or getting diagnosed with cancer a couple weeks before we were supposed to leave. And that sort of pulled the rug out from underneath of the whole, the whole thing because now we couldn't go. We had already quit our jobs in preparation of leaving. We had started renting an apartment that we had never seen um, in Albania, and, and, and now, well, we've got this medical issue, and we've got no insurance, and we've got six months of treatment that we have to wait out, because we agreed to do what God asked us to do, because, you know, you can ask me, you asked me then, did God want you to go to Albania? Yeah, absolutely. You ask me now, did God want me to go to Albania? Well, no, he didn't want me to go, but he wanted me to be willing to go, for some reason. And so that was actually a struggle for me, and there were a lot of sleepless nights um, struggling through that. But it got easier and less of a struggle when I realized that, like, we're only in this position and in this situation where it seems like we're going to have this mountain of medical debt and we have no jobs and we're not going to be missionaries. We're only in this situation because we agreed to do what God asked us to do. Well, that just means God has to take care of it, right? Like, that means, like, we're going to be okay. Um, and so, praise the Lord, we were okay. Um, the church hired me as an intern, um, which, which at the beginning, don't tell, don't tell Jeff or Troy I said this, but I'm pretty sure they just hired me as, like, a favor to me so that we could have insurance to pay for, for all the cancer treatments because I showed up to work and they're like, we'll let you know when there's something to do. And so I just, I had to find things to do. Um, and so it feels weird to admit that because I, I was like a drain on the, the church for a bit. Um, but it was a blessing to me and I got to work with the pastors and I got to know the pastors and I had the opportunity to teach Sunday school classes and um, just keep teaching it different, different stuff. And uh, they, I did a lot of weird technical stuff for the church, like I built computers and file servers and stuff like that, um, but, but nothing like super essential. Like, like if I hadn't been there, you would have never noticed the difference. Um, I would have, but that was the bulk of, of 2020, was me just going into the church office every day, clocking in and sitting down at my computer thinking, what am I going to do today? Like, 
Like, I loved being there. I just loved being there, but I didn't really have a role, per se, uh, apart from just doing whatever Jeff or Troy asked me to do. Um, but sometimes Josh would ask me to do things, and so I'd do things with Josh. And we were still Ignite counselors at that point because we never really stopped being Ignite counselors. We had just started transitioning out. Um, but then the whole Columbus deal starts in 2020 with an opportunity to have our church plant another church in, in Columbus. Um, and, and over the summer, it had become increasingly clear that, that Matt, Brocker, who was leading the well at the time, is going to be the guy who's going to go to Columbus. And, and these are the things that, like, if you're in the church office a lot, you, you catch wind of things um, before, before stuff gets announced and stuff like that. And so Matt was my friend at that point. I had worked with him for a while, and, um, you know, it, it, was, it was weird because on one hand you're like, man, You've been so good for the ministry you've been involved in. You've been so good for this church. It sucks to see you leave, but, but you're just saying yes to what God puts in front of you. And that was a cool example for me about him just deciding, well, okay, there's, there's a group of people in Columbus who need a church, uh, a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, and I'm going to take my family and move them there, even though that might not necessarily be what I want to do. It's what God's asking me to do. And so he did that. All the while, I'm working this weird job where half of my job is figure out where you're going to go because I still wanted to be a missionary. And Jeff told me, uh, Jeff was the lead pastor at the time, when he asked me to be an intern, he said, look, I can only promise you this position for a year. So spend time while you're here figuring out where you want to go and what you want to do because if we get a year into this, like I might not be able to just say, okay, stay here. Um, and so that was always on the back of my mind. It's always this pressure of like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? So I'm begging God, like, man, show me what it is you want me to do. Show me what it is, where it is you want me to go. Um, and I never really got an answer. And that was frustrating for me because like I had agreed and committed to do this for a long time. And now I'm sort of free from my job and I'm just working at a church where I have ample opportunity to figure out where God wants me to go, and I'm not getting anything. Well, I started, I started to feel and, 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 and wonder as Matt is seeming more and more likely to leave. I had I, I just started talking with Jeff, like, man, I want to go somewhere. I want to be a missionary. I want to do something. But it seems like God's taking Matt away. And if he does, I mean, I, I'm here to deal with, you know, all the responsibilities that he's leaving behind that are now going to become the responsibilities of other people. Well, I didn't realize that Matt was having that same conversation with Jeff just flipped. He's like, man, if I leave, I have all these responsibilities that need to fall to someone why not Corey, who's here doing nothing all day? <laughs> and so through that and, and through, obviously, prayer and through the leaders of the church, it just became clear that I'm here and I'm available. So, so Corey, why don't you take over the well? Why don't you take over the discipleship organization part of the discipleship ministry? Why don't you live in this house back here? Like, 
literally everything Matt left behind, I ended up with. We even bought some of their old furniture for next to nothing. It was great. But seriously, how strange. How strange a set of circumstances that I agree to go and, and be a missionary somewhere. God says no. Stay here and do nothing for a bit. Just so that I happen to be available so that God can do this other thing with this other guy in this other city and keep ministry going here similarly to how it was done before. Like, it's a weird set of circumstances, but that's what, that's what God did. And so I did that for a year. I stayed an intern because I took over all this ministry responsibility. Um, I ended up getting to not get fired at the end of that year. Um, so that was good. Uh, Troy had taken over as the youth pastor, or youth pastor, as the lead pastor um, during that, that year where I was working as an intern, uh, but leading the well. And, uh, and then Troy asked me to, to think about my future, which makes me think, oh crap, I'm getting fired. Um, and just asked me to meet with him and talk about how to move forward, because I was still an intern, and I still wanted to go do something in missions, and if you were here when I started, like, leading the well in late 2020, I would have said to you, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I'm just here, and I'm, and I'm going to love this, and I'm excited about it, um, and so that, those questions were all in my head still for the first year of me doing this, like, man, how long am I going to be here? Am I just wasting these people's time? Who's going to take over for me when I'm, when I'm dead and gone? Um, and so the conversation with Troy just sort of nailed down like, like look God has clearly orchestrated my life to bring me to this place with this specific ministry right now and until until he orchestrates my life to move me somewhere else to do something else well why not just keep doing what you're doing? And so I said, that sounds great. Like, I loved doing the well. I loved leading the well. I loved doing all this stuff with you guys. I loved the opportunity to teach on a weekly basis. Um, I loved it. And so he just asked me if I would just be a pastor at the church and, and keep doing exactly what I was doing. And so I went from being an intern with nothing to do to being an intern that sort of had the job of a pastor to just being the pastor who did the same thing he did while he was an intern. Um, and so it's a weird career path. <laughs> but it was cool. Um, it was cool. And so, uh, so for the last three years of my life, it's been a little strange um, between, between the cancer and the, the Albania and the not Albania and doing the well and then just agreeing to stay here and sort of agree to, okay, well, I had committed to doing whatever God's part for me was in missions. I thought that was me going somewhere and starting a church and being a missionary. Maybe it's a little different. And I'm okay with that, even though my desire for years was to go somewhere, plant a church and be a missionary. Um, well, now I get to invest in missions in other ways because I get to teach MTT classes and LFBI classes. I get to encourage all y'all to take your next step with the Lord and to agree to do whatever it is that God has for you. And so I still get to do missions. It's just way different than what I had ever imagined it was um, because 
because the mission doesn't belong to me. The mission belongs to the church. And specifically, the mission belongs to our church. And so our church is going to continue to send out missionaries and church planners, and I'm going to be a part of that. Now, how God has me being a part of that may change, but that is, that's what I committed to do, was just be a part of that as long as God has me here. Um, and so, and so that, that brings me to today where I'm just here, um, and I'm just doing what it is God has me doing to invest in you guys, to invest in everybody else at our church, um, to the end that I, I believe that God is going to continue sending missionaries and church planners out from this place to make a difference in, in the world from FBC. And so that's the end of my list of things I said yes to. Uh, and hopefully me going through all of that just makes you realize that there's really nothing special about me at all except I'm lazier than most people. Um, and, and that's really the key is that there's really nothing special about any of us. Laziness isn't the key. That's not what I meant. <laughs> no, no. No, that's a character flaw that I have to work on. Um, and, and I try to every day. But the point is, just pay attention to what God's putting in front of you. Uh, make sure he's the one putting it in front of you, because that's important. You're going to get a lot of things in front of you that are from different people, like, like my... Uh, my choice on where to go to college. That wasn't from the Lord. That was from my guidance counselor. That was from my parents. That was from uh, wanting money in my life. Like, make sure God's the one putting something in front of you. And the only way you can do that is through prayerful consideration, meditation in God's word, and talking to, to your spiritual leaders about it. Make sure he's putting opportunities in front of you. But once you're sure the opportunity is something God's putting in front of you, well, then just take it and just keep moving forward with him. That should be what's considered the normal Christian life. Just commit to doing that. Just commit to every step of the way, looking for what God has you doing and wants you to be doing. And then just, just follow him. Just keep doing that and, and see where he takes you. Because he'll take you places. He'll take you places. Yeah, that's, that's enough said. Um, and so if you haven't started that, if you haven't ever done that and considered before, man, what does God want for my life? Well, why don't you just go home tonight and ask him? Ask him what he wants for your life. Ask him what he wants for you to do right now. Because what he's not going to do is show you exactly what you're going to be doing in 10 years. Um, but he, he might give you a glimpse of what you need to think you're doing in 10 years. But he's trying to get you to take the first step. And as soon as you take the first step, well, he'll start working on the next step. And the point is to just keep taking those steps because God works in mysterious ways, and sometimes they're not that mysterious. They're just, they're just there. So just pay attention to what God's got in front of you and keep taking steps with the Lord and keep making sure that you're following after him because as soon as you keep doing that and commit to doing that, um, man, you're going to wake up one day and struggle to remember all the things that God's done in your life to get you to the point that you're at right now. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Um, Man, for the opportunity for me to sit and reflect about all you've done, um, even in my life, Lord, for, for, for what it is. I'm, I'm nothing special, Lord. The only reason I'm, I've ever been able to have an opportunity to ministry, minister is because you've enabled me to do that and you've given me the opportunity. And so, Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunities you've given me. I thank you for the opportunities you give us every day. And I just pray that as we 
as we consider these things and just look at the lives of the different pastors of our church, we just consider what it is you have next for us. Um, and Lord, I pray that we commit to taking that step before we even know what it is and just agree that no matter where it is you want us to be, we're going we're gonna to be there because, because that's where you want us. So Lord, I love you. In your name we pray. Amen.